ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our podcast, Top 10 Thursdays. I'm your host, John Lemmy. John Ochney. <laughs> Colin Westman. I feel like we're just doing the Sean Connery thing. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Carson. Yeah, and you never want to participate. This is so stupid. <laughs> it's only stupid when you mention how stupid it is. <laughs> Yeah, see, anything's stupid if you think about it. Something John Ludd said to me. I believe yeah. that was a quote from Alfred Hitchcock, the master <laughs> of suspense. And he's who we're talking about this week because recently a movie was made about Hitchcock. Actually, two movies. One with Anthony Hopkins playing Hitchcock during the making of Psycho, and then the other one with Toby Jones. Uh, I, I don't know the focus of that movie. I think that one's about the birds. Oh, so. And how <laughs> he kind of had a weird relationship with Tippi Hedren during the making of that movie. Yeah. It's just funny. That, and that's for HBO. Yeah. And what's, what's that one called? The Girl? The Lady? The, the lady? Girl? Really I think it's The think Girl. It's the Maybe it's one of those. It's a really generic title for HBO. <laughs> it's just funny that stars Toby Jones because he was in that Capote movie that was – like came out at the same time as Capote, so he's always getting kind of screwed over, which is too bad because he's pretty good. I don't know if he's as good a Hitchcock as Anthony Hopkins. I haven't seen either movie yet. Uh, Anthony Hopkins went all out. He's looking pretty fat in his sweet makeup <laughs> suit. Uh, I haven't. I don't recall seeing any pictures of Toby Jones. I don't know if he's he went all think, out. Physically. Well, it's just he seems too tiny to play Hitchcock. Hitchcock seemed to have this huge, robust, just <laughs> stature. But yeah. I think Anthony Hopkins kind of fits into that that look better than Toby Jones. And I'm glad he went with prosthetics instead of gaining all his weight, like all that weight at his age. That would have been <laughs> that would have been rough. That, that, that could have killed him. That would have been true de- dedication. himself to death. Yeah. That would be terrifying. But no, we're going to talk about Hitchcock because he's basically made. Like a hundred movies, it seems like so many movies, and we're gonna try so. to talk about his the ones we like best. Uh, and surely there's gonna be some movie that everyone's like, "Oh my god, you get you didn't even talk about whatever." I don't care, man. He's got a lot of movies. We'll get to him eventually in our lives. In, in, in Hitchcock Part Two, <laughs> the second tier Hitchcock. It's like top ten second tier Hitchcock movies. <laughs> Volume one. <laughs> Can't wait to finally watch Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Why do you think Hitchcock has been so successful and so, you know, just held in this high regard as an auteur? I mean, I, uh, I don't even know where to start. I, uh, first of all, he's the master of suspense. Yeah, that's such a deep... <laughs> loaded question it's hard to even I think that's what we'll be doing over the course of this is trying to get to the the center of that question I mean for me he's great just because he kind of embodies what good movies should be because he was kind of always walking the fine line between sort of art and entertainment like he has his more artsy sort of thematically rich movies and then at the same time he's got ones that are just amazing pieces of entertainment and I love the way that you know he could do both things, and that's, uh, I think that's kind of the essence of, of filmmaking, really. 
I've just always appreciated how tightly constructed all his stories are. They all, like all of them, even the ones that aren't that good, like Marnie, where Sean Connery plays an American poorly. <laughs> yeah. Like the story is just so tight, and every every single action leads to every other action. It's just like the, the foundations of good storytelling and good filmmaking. Like he was very careful. I think he's he's super precise when it came to like like uh, pre production, right? Like people always said, like. He basically had the movie made in his head before they even started shooting it because he was so precise. Yeah, very, very meticulous guy. I mean, that's that's what I love about watching his films, you know, second or third times is there's always so many little details and little fine touches that you can pick up on, you know, the, the first time you watched them, you, you wouldn't have noticed. Exactly. So let's go back. Not too far back, but... Far back enough. <laughs> the 39 steps. I say not too far back because he made a lot of films before this one in 1935. He was doing like silent films even. But it doesn't seem like anyone has seen any of those. I don't know if any of those are good. Does anyone yeah. even have like any idea? <laughs> I don't I feel like Blackmail is supposed to be his first like really notable one. But I think that was his first sound movie. So... Yeah, I don't know if any of his silent ones are that notable. Uh, but this is definitely, 39 Steps is the probably the oldest one on this list that I've seen and enjoyed. Which I was surprised because I'm always a little hesitant about British movies from the 30s. I don't know why. It's like I've seen old, you know, great American films from the 30s and they're always so polished and, you know, going through the studios. And they always look really nice. But I've seen some older British movies that it's like, I don't feel like they had as good as equipment like over there or something. It just the films seem way grainier and just not as polished. And this film was pretty grainy, but I just remember us all sitting down to watch it, uh, watch it, and it was just so um, thrilling and exciting and funny and funny, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so this so. is a story, uh, you know, one of. Hitchcock's favorite story types, you know, the just being the wrong man in the wrong place at the wrong time and uh, getting like a whole. Uh, it's, I can't, what's his name? Richard? Hanny? Richard? An A? Uh, he's, he's just at a, he's at like a circus or something with Mr. Memory. I, remember I think Mr. it's just Memory. like a. I don't know what would I don't know what you would call that. He's just doing some act, I guess, at some music hall, I guess. And he meets this lady, and and uh, some shit goes down. He brings the lady back to his uh, flat because it's British. And she's like, "You gotta look out for the thirty-nine steps." But and then she like goes to bed, and the next morning she's like got a knife in her back somehow. These goons hanging out outside must have thrown a knife in the window or something. <laughs> It's one of the weirdest deaths. <laughs> like, he looks outside and sees there's these goons, and then later this lady comes back, she has a knife in her back, but those goons are still outside. Uh, but So that, so then our, our, our hero is just on the run from, this, from these organized criminals. Just because... It's just definitely... Cause, a huge example of uh, Hitchcock using the MacGuffin, which is, you know, a, 
a plot point that sets the story in motion, but it's kind of irrelevant. You don't really know what it is. I mean, I can't even remember what the 39 steps is. is like, Isn't it? I, I thought the organization was the 39 steps for some reason, even though that doesn't make any sense. Was it? <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. Okay. And Mr. Memory knows what's up. In the end, 39 you know, steps. 39 steps. There you go. There's the sounds end like of 39 a, steps. Sounds like a boy band. They weren't a boy band, were they? 39 members? <laughs> it could have been. That was the, the thing. Really Mr. Memory, they were trying to keep secret the idea of a boy band. There that would be the remake. Yeah. <laughs> 39 steps. The ultimate boy band. They're so bad, it'll turn the whole world deaf. Starring Channing Tatum is Mr. Memory. <laughs> yeah, he seems like a guy that would know every single fact <laughs> you could possibly know. Like the smartest guy in the world. <laughs> well, if the 39 uh, steps both refer to the boy band and dancing, like, I gotta teach you the 39 steps. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. And it's really, it's really suspenseful. I'm sure. What's he gonna yeah. do when he gets to that? Anyway, it's, it's, <laughs> it's the comedy in this movie that I really like. Uh, while he's on the run, he ends up being confused with this guy who has to deliver a speech, and and he ends up giving like a really funny speech about how he just wants to get away. That the, the crowd's all about, and uh, he's on a train with this girl, and he's like, you know, trying to get her on his side, but she's like, no, that's not happening. But they end up handcuffed together, and hijinks ensue. It's a lot of fun. And yeah, uh, oh, you got something, Colin? Well, there's that funny moment where the guy has to like say the name of the person that he's pretending to be while giving the speech, and he's like, "Yes, if I my name isn't Mister," then he looks down and it says like Mick Connolly or something. He says, "Mister Mick Crocodile." <laughs> <laughs> that is the greatest name I've ever heard. Mr. McCrocodile. <laughs> I go they don't serve that at McDonald's. They do. The McCrocodile. It's like a Florida yeah, thing. In my yeah. Australia. I bet swamp people are all about the McCrocodile. <laughs> or like the Duck Dynasty. The Duck Dynasty. <laughs> I was watching some Duck Dynasty today. It's pretty sweet. Thanks, Colin, for introducing me to the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just don't get how their like wives are so like normal. Like They're rich gold diggers. They all have huge beards. Everyone. Well, not the women. <laughs> yeah. So I saw that... Thirty Nine Steps performed live when I was in London on vacation. It's pretty great. The story. And the, and the comedy, at least, holds up pretty well. I mean, it was it was performed, you know, somewhat tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pretty great. So, and and I I like me some action adventure Hitchcock more than more than most people. So I I really enjoy this movie. Yeah, I mean, I, you mentioned earlier that. It's a lot like North by Northwest, just not quite as good. But I, I don't really care. I think it stands on its own. 
I mean, the one thing I really like about it is sort of the the screwball comedy sort of romance between Robert Donat and uh, Madeline Carroll, which you don't really get in North by Northwest. And it just, yeah, it has that just really fun kind of nature to it. He's good. Agreed. What about uh, Sabotage? Sabotage is not as good. fun, but... <laughs> Maybe not as good. It's pretty. I think it's a pretty underrated film in Hitchcock's filmography. Um, it's another one that has kind of a confusing plot. It's about it's this guy who's named like Verloc or something. So with a name like that, y- you got to know that he's a villain. And it kind of it kind of focuses on his wife who doesn't know that uh, Verloc is actually like a member of this like underground terrorist organization and <laughs> I don't know if I want to spoil it but there is this scene in the beginning in the middle of the movie where we see this terrorist act that um, this woman's brother gets involved in and he's just this little kid and he's going to deliver what he thinks is just a package, but there's a bomb inside of it, and he gets on this bus, and shit blows up. So from there on, it's it's hard to really even sympathize with Verloc at all. You know, he's a bad dude. He killed a little kid. He killed a puppy. And the whole thing just kind of evolves into this sort of moral question of of whether you would turn your husband in if if he was really a terrorist. Um, wow. I, know, I like it. <laughs> so the stuff does get sabotaged. There's hella sabotage in it, yes. And I'm, you know, you got to cash in on that title. Yeah. I know Hitchcock also made Saboteur. Is he just like breaking shit or what? <laughs> between these, it's just like a coincidence or something? I guess. Uh, Have you seen Saboteur? I... I don't think so. I have it in the box set, I believe. I don't recall watching it, actually. <laughs> Maybe. I've just seen, like, the finale to that one in, I'll like, 50 million different film classes. Yeah, that sounds familiar. It's the, it has the Statue of Liberty scene at the end. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But Sabotage, I don't know anything about. I'm looking at the poster, and it looks like there's a scary monster on it. I assume that's Verloc. It's Verloc. He's not like a vampire or a zombie, is he? No. Scary on this poster. Well, what kind of name is Verloc? Is he Russian? Is he foreign? Uh, yeah, I think so. He has the foreign accent. They don't. I don't think they specify. Carl Anton but, Verloc. That sounds like a vampire if I've ever heard one. Sure does. <laughs> kind of looks like a vampire on the poster. <laughs> Anyways, now let's move on to another one of his hit, his uh. British period movies, uh, The Lady Vanishes. That one's uh, quite a bit more lighthearted, even though it revolves around a lady being kidnapped, hence the vanishing. And wait, wait, wait. I like she, only, it just... she only vanishes once? Yeah. So it shouldn't be the lady would... vanished? I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think but, it's like grammatically incorrect or incorrect by calling it the lady vanishes. I don't know. Sorry, Colin, go ahead. 
<laughs> well, that one I like just because it's kind of this ensemble movie. They're like, it's all set on a train, or most of it is. It starts in a hotel, and then all these characters that were in the hotel get on this train. And they're all kind of hiding the fact that they saw this lady on the train, and then she she disappears, and then there's this one woman who knows that she spent some time with this lady before she just kind of, kind of vanished when this lady just took a nap. And so everyone's trying to hide the fact that they know that something's going on here, even though it's all because of their own sort of selfish personal reasons. Uh, my favorite one are these two guys that they're just talking about cricket like the whole time, which... Are they talking British. about the most disgraceful play in cricket? <laughs> Uh, I don't think that's mentioned, but like that's the reason they don't want to confess that they that this lady must have disappeared is because then they'll have to stop the train and search it, and they, they're just trying to get back to England to to watch this cricket match. Does that make it hard to follow? Them talking about cricket? Uh, a <laughs> little bit. I don't know. It's mostly <laughs> just them getting pissed off that they can't like find out what the scores are like there's this one scene where they're like somehow they got a hold of this newspaper and they're just all they can find out in the newspaper is the scores from the baseball game over in america and they're like baseball that's just similar to rounders that's a game for children i hate british people yeah (laughs) especially old like british people from olden times they're the worst uh, the Lady Vanishes is one that I always hear good things about, but somehow missed. Even like six years ago, Jake, our friend Jake, gave me a copy. Like, I have an extra copy of this movie. Here you go. <laughs> that still wasn't enough for me to watch it. It's on Netflix. I mean, but uh, I will get to it someday. I feel like you got to see it. Uh, if, if you you know if you want to be Hitchcock well versed on Hitchcock, yeah. seems to be like people say it's his best of that period of the thirties. I don't know. I it's, it's 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 pretty close. I just feel like I hear it come up in conversation a lot, and I have to know why. And I'm <laughs> I'm sure Cricket's part of that, and the suspense yeah. is probably the other part of that. So. Excited to check out someday. Yeah, it's also got a cool opening shot in it because it's got what basically looks like a helicopter shot where it zooms in from this sort of like <laughs> Swiss landscape with all the mountains, then it zooms in on this little hotel. But it's all done with miniatures, which you can kind of tell that it's miniatures, but I don't know. It's just cool that Hitchcock was trying to experiment with those kind of cinematic visual devices that hadn't even been invented yet. He was always pushing the boundary. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I never thought you could push the boundary with miniatures, but yeah. <laughs> nobody was doing that, man. They're like, you're insane. Maybe. Which I'm, was I, pretty I, cool. Uh... <laughs> well put. Okay, what about Shadow of a Doubt? Well, this would be uh, 
I guess, getting into his American period. Shadow of a Doubt is... I really like it because it, it definitely feels like a very American movie, which I think his first few films like Rebecca or... What was the other? Foreign Correspondent. Those are all... I think they're both set in in Europe. But Shadow of a Doubt kind of digs into like you know, the whole American small town vibe where you've got this family that lets their uh, uncle come to stay with them and he's played by, uh, what's his name, Joseph Cotton. And <laughs> he's, he's pretty good in that role because he's he seems sort of charming, yet there's something very off about him. And eventually you see, oh shit, this guy <laughs> kills women. Ah, yeah. <laughs> He's, I feel like there's this. I feel like there's one scene where he totally just kind of lets his guard down and reveals that, like, he's super misogynistic and just there's something about. I don't know, rich women who haven't done anything their whole lives. There's just something about them. They need, <laughs> they need to be put in their place because they're just leeching off of, off of their rich husbands. And uh, I think Hitchcock said this was his favorite film of his. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. And I've seen it, but I couldn't add anything. Oh. I agree with everything you said. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's good. Like the family aspect, even though there's murder. Yeah. It's a little dark, but that's yeah. life. That's, that's life. <laughs> life with the Mary Widow murderer. I like that they got Mary in there. Like he's pretty. He's pretty happy about doing it. Yeah. Yeah, he gets his kicks. Mary, do you think there's a Christmas movie called Mary Murder? Or Murder Miss? <laughs> I don't think anyone could make the connection to Christmas from Murder Miss. Murder Miss. Mary Murder Miss. <laughs> that kind of works. He's like a guy. That's his name. That's his name, is Mary Murder Miss? Yeah, it's like a woman's, a woman's name. name. <laughs> it's like Barry from Lord of the Rings. He's like an elf or something. He's what born about with the these... Chris Mass murderer? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, good. does he kill a mass of people like named Christ? Or <laughs> yes, just people named Christ, <laughs> all of them. Like, it's like Terminator, how Terminator looks through all the people called Sarah Connor. This guy looks through everyone named Christ. <laughs> I don't yeah. think there are many people named Christ. Not many people named Christopher Shorten. It should just Christ. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would do. I Maybe guess he just murders people named Christopher, but he reads it as Christopher. <laughs> Christopher, you will die. Exactly. Well, now I'm going to name my child Christopher and call him Christ. (laughs) 
I think you might run into some problems there. I got your back, Sean. Some opportunities while I get... Uh, it's a good way to become notorious. Our next Hitchcock film, uh, <laughs> which uh, I feel like it has a pretty good critical standing. I feel like Roger Ebert usually puts it on his top ten films of all time. I'm not as big of uh, as big on it just because it's one that's pretty slow I feel like it's not quite as exciting as a lot of Hitchcock movies but you know there is something really interesting about the Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman relationship in that movie just because they fall in love at the beginning of it and then because Cary Grant's like this spy he basically has to force Ingrid Bergman to fall in love with uh, Claude Rains's character, which I think he's like a former Nazi or something. <laughs> that and sounds like Claude Rains. That sounds like Claude Rains. And there's, yeah, I mean, that, that relationship is so sort of strained and just deceitful, and you can definitely feel a lot of conflict going on between the two of them. And... I really like Claude Rains in the role, too, just because he's like the most sympathetic villain, which is weird for someone who's involved with Nazis. I mean, he seems like he's always pushed around by his mother, uh, you know, around and around by just these people that he's working for. And by the end of the movie, the cops come to arrest him and you kind of feel for him. You kind of feel sorry for the guy. Which is something I, I really like about Hitchcock's movies is there's always this gray area between, you know, good and evil. It, it, no one, it's not black and white. If only I had been a better Nazi. But yeah. the movie is black and white. <laughs> well, that, that's some uh, that's some great insight into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> See, this movie's kind of a blur for me because I thought it was sort of boring. Mm-hmm. But I don't like to admit that because so many people are like, oh, this is so good. And I'm like, I mean, the wine cellar scenes are pretty good. They're pretty suspenseful in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but uh, And there's good charisma, but it is take its time, which is difficult for this generation. <laughs> it's not even that long. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Anyways, let's yeah, move we, on. We were talking about gray areas. How about Rope? Right? Yeah, I think it's his first yeah, although, movie in in color. I guess it's not really that gray of an area. I feel like people pretty much made their mind up about whether murder can be justified. <laughs> probably before this movie came out uh, but this is this is a, this is the movie that's famous for basically being one take right or at least it looks like it's just one take it tries to create the illusion mm-hmm. though of course they sneak in cuts but for the most part I think they did a pretty good job 
Uh, Why so do you think they did that? Because cool. Because it's like a play, right? I, I suppose to make it just feel like it's all like at, going on at one time, that uh, we never cut away from any of it. Yeah, I yeah, guess like that, a play. that's probably that's why. Because because yeah, it does unfold in real time. Like twenty four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a. It's if it got remade with Kiefer. Just just hitch being on the cutting edge again. By not cutting. Mm. But yeah, okay, so this is, there's a guys, Farley Granger is one of them. And hope I get all this right. Uh, they, they murdered someone, or someone gets murdered. Yeah, and it's like the them. first shot of the movie is them strangling this guy with a rope. And then they hide him. In this in chest apartment. that's just out there in their apartment. And then they have a party. <laughs> Good idea. I can't um, remember the logic to that. What was it's, the, it's what? an act of hubris. They think they have committed the perfect crime. Uh, and, and they got the idea from, um, from Jimmy Stewart's character, right? Because he was like their professor or something. And of course, he's like really offended because he's like, "No, this is just an idea. I didn't mean go do this." <laughs> but whoops. Yeah, and Jimmy Stewart's really cool in this. It's nice oh, to see yeah. him in a Hitchcock movie where he's not all nervous. He's playing it cool. He's real it's, cool. He's still getting pretty freaked out when he's like, "Yeah," towards the end of this movie, when whatever happens happens. That's a good way not to spoil it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know what else there is to say because it's all like one, like scene practically. It's just well, about like performances for me uh, and what uh, I can remember. <laughs> I think that it basically appearing to be one take makes it really cool and and uh, it's a pretty enthralling movie. Or at least for me, I was. I mean, when you think about the fact that it's just people hanging out in an apartment basically just going between two rooms in the apartment and having fairly intellectual conversations. It's, it's pretty suspenseful and, and, and riveting. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty bad at this movie. I, I mean, this is definitely on my top ten Hitchcock movies list. Yeah, this is actually one I've only seen once. And I'm... I don't know if it'll hold up as well on a second viewing just because it, I guess it's a little gimmicky and it's all just kind of the performances and kind of using this play-like nature, but I don't know. I'm sure it'll be just as, just as entertaining if I watch it another time. Because, I mean, a movie like 12 Angry Men, I enjoy watching multiple times and that's kind of a movie that goes for kind of the same effect, just that really deep engaging sort of just dialogue and performances driving the movie. Yeah, I think it's really great watching Jimmy Stewart take on these two young guys. In the battle of wits. Just like battleship. <laughs> I'm really I'm really sorry. 
Okay, so battleship, battleship <laughs> is a boat. Boat is a way of getting around. So is a train. Strangers on a train. My segue would have just been, hey, how about another movie about a perfect murder? But no, that's the way we went. Transportation. <laughs> Farley Granger again. Playing the guy that kind of <laughs> unwittingly got himself involved in a murder. So he's this amateur tennis player, yet somehow he's notable. I don't know, he's not quite pro, but he gets on a train and he meets this guy named Bruno, who's super charismatic, but like kind of creepy. And they, they're just, you know, hanging out and having a conversation. And he's like, oh, I know that you're trying to divorce your wife and stuff. And he wants, and a uh, guy, main character, wants to marry this senator's daughter. And then somehow in their conversation, Bruno brings up, you, you know it would be the perfect murder? <laughs> Because that's good conversation. <laughs> that's like literally what he says. You know, you know, it'd be the perfect murder. And he's saying, if I killed someone that you didn't want in your life that I didn't know, and then you killed someone in my life, so the, the police they they couldn't figure it out because there'd be no motive. And so Bruno's like, hey, I could totally kill your wife who won't divorce you if you kill my dad. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, guy's not really about that. Yet somehow Bruno ends up. Oh, I got to spoil some of it to talk about it. Yeah, uh, taking care of his wife, and uh, but then guy doesn't want to do the other murder because it is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and that's awesome because Bruno starts stalking him. And he gets really creepy. One of my favorite scenes in this movie was there's this tennis-like uh, tournament, and everyone's head is going back and forth watching the tennis match. And then you just see Bruno, and he's just staring straight forward. He's the only head that's not going back and forth. Yeah, that's a great shot. And he's really creepy, and he just keeps following him around. And um, guys, like, trying to, you know, his, now that his, his ex-wife is dead, trying to make sure that people don't think he did it, so he's trying to clear his name while also trying to avoid this guy. And I just really enjoyed this. It was, I was just, I admired how tightly constructed it was and how it moved and how well it was paced. And there's some tennis scenes in it, which I wasn't expecting. I didn't really know. I, I thought this movie would be like a whodunit on a train. I never really knew what this was. I figured it'd be like, it was Mr. Cadbury in the lounge cart with the candlestick. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what the lady vanishes is like. Oh, yeah, I figured he would be Clue. <laughs> if they did make it to a movie, wasn't a suspense thriller. Okay, this is really fucked up that you're bringing this up because I watched Clue over the weekend. <laughs> was, it as, was it suspenseful and thrilling? Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, Tim Curry. That guy. And Michael McKean. Maybe. No. <laughs> oh, do you mean like in the context of the movie or what? What are you talking about? I just haven't seen him in a while, so I presume. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's still alive. But not Farley Granger's wife. Nope. She done got killed. Oh, so what do you think of the carousel finale? 
God, I was just going to say that. This has what every movie is desperately lacking. A fist fight on a carousel. <laughs> when Bruno and Guy are just punching, exchanging fists, and it's like spinning around. I feel like the thing like starts to crash, too. Because like one of the worker guys like goes under and tries to disable it. It's spinning. I can't remember why it was. I mean, I just saw it today, but I can't remember why it was like still going. Like, couldn't he just turn it off? Oh, I Dude, think. What was going on? I think he was gonna. Sh- I think Bruno was gonna shoot Guy, but he missed and shot like the carousel operator. And yeah, he fell yeah. over and pushed the switch <laughs> over, so it goes super fast. How random is that? You're in a spinning carousel and you shoot your guy. You hit a guy and he falls on a. Like lever, and then oh, it's going too fast. We gotta keep fighting. And yeah, by the end of it, the carousel like breaks off his hinges, and like it just like (laughs) falls to pieces. It's like the coolest looking thing, but it's a carousel. (laughs) It is funny to think about all like the ending set pieces for Hitchcock movies. He always picks like the coolest places. I never Mm -hmm. would have thought a carousel would be that cool, but it was. It was intense. Yeah. I bet those guys threw up so much. Like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I mean the actors or the characters. Well, <laughs> one of them doesn't walk away from it, so probably not. Yes. Doesn't this movie have like a really like here we go again ending to it, where he's like sitting on a train and some other guy yeah, sitting next to him, him and his wife are sitting on a train and the guy's like, "Hey, aren't you guy?" Whatever his name, Guy Haynes, and he's like, ugh, and he gets up and walks away. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Perfect murder. They call it the crisscross, which would have been a good title. Wouldn't have been bad, I guess. It's actually kind of stupid. Make it seem really British if it was called crisscross. Oh, you don't have crisscross. Well done, John. Rear window. Where's Colin? He's thinking. Uh, so rear window is another Jimmy Stewart Mother, Hitchcock what, joint. What would the president think? It's just some just bizarre scene like that that I love. <laughs> <laughs> what the <Yeah>. fuck? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you're saying, Sean? I feel like a crazy person now, but I'm going to say Rear Window is the movie we're going to talk about next. I'm just really confused. I'm not sure I know if what I'm hearing is what I'm supposed to be hearing. It's suspenseful, Sean. We're all recording a podcast and people are being murdered as we speak. I think that's true, but I don't know. Colin, are you so Jimmy with Stewart's us? back as the star of another Hitchcock movie. Uh, this time he takes the Denzel Washington approach to acting where he sits down <laughs> the whole movie. <laughs> uh, but he has a pretty good excuse. He has a, a broken leg. His character, uh, I presume, Jimmy Stewart wasn't method enough to actually break his own leg. Um, but he's, he's stuck in his, uh, his apartment in New York and uh, fortunately for him he's got a great view of like all his neighbors 
because he can just see into everybody's window from his window. And so he he starts just spending his time keeping an eye on uh, on the neighborhood and seeing what's going on. And uh, even having Grace Kelly come by and hang out isn't enough to distract him from his his obsession with peeping on his on his neighbors. And this takes a real turn when he he's pretty sure he sees one of them murder another. Yes, Raymond Burr. Famous for playing the character Steve Martin in Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And Ironside. But here he's a creepy neighbor who's doing creepy stuff in his apartment. And True Stewart's got to get to the bottom of this shit. Just like Shia LaBeouf in Disturbia. Does that mean Rear Window is like a pre-make? Uh, no, John, because those don't exist. And also, this podcast does not say anything positive about anything that has to do with Shia LaBeouf, ever. <laughs> That's it's one of fair. our unwritten rules. What's cool about Rear Window is all one set, too, right? All this, yeah. this huge, elaborate, like, apartment thing, street. I don't know how to describe it. City. Most of it is most of it just like is from Jimmy Stewart's perspective. Like I feel like the camera, you barely even feel like the camera ever leaves the apartment, which is so interesting. And that's I mean the reason I I love returning to this film is just it is one of those ones where it's so meticulous. There are so many little details that you can pick up on on subsequent viewings. I mean you basically get five different stories that are going on around this murder plot and I love all those that you get to just peer into these people's lives I just love how in his head you kind of get you, you know you don't know any more than he does really because it's, it's done in like this you have this restricted view of the world you just see what he has and he's got a broken leg mm-hmm. you can't do shit it's really sad that they made that remake with Christopher Reeve for like TV, did you guys hear about that? I didn't even know that existed. Rear Window, like made for TV movie with ugh, paralyzed Chris Reeve. Like, what can he even do? I'm shocked. I can't. I there's a man. I gotta blow into my <laughs> thing that moves my car. So he was paralyzed Jesus during Christ. the remake. Is it even cool to make <laughs> jokes like that? Yet I don't think it is. <laughs> Enough times passed. I don't think you can do that, John. <laughs> God damn it, man! No, no, good, good comedy pushes the barriers. The only problem is that wasn't good comedy. <laughs> oh wow! If that had been a good bit, it would have been acceptable. Maybe. Well, I mean, ugh, it was kind of it's kind of messed up though that they did that though, right? I mean, like he was he could no way he could really act that much like in that state mm-hmm. but enough about uh, that was, was this when he started juicing up on stem cells because he probably act a little bit with juicing baby up. blood flowing through him <laughs> and you said I took it too far you? <laughs> now you're talking about Christopher Reeve being fueled by baby blood 
<laughs> That's he's science, got, man. He's got to eat baby blood so that he can solve what's going on across. Oh, I like all this conversation. <laughs> I, I wonder who's the, uh, who's the murderer of that one. That, that is just a bizarre curiosity. I don't know, but it had Daryl Hannah. I thought you were going to say Daryl Hammond. <laughs> as the Raven Burr character? You could do it. Uh, yeah, not as Grace Kelly character. Just, no. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, this is, this is one like the best rear window. Yeah. I even like the way Grace <laughs> Kelly is used. Just because... He 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 doesn't want to marry her because she's too perfect. Like I'm sure every Grace Kelly is basically basically every Grace Kelly movie is just presenting her as like the perfect female. But then he's like, eh, yeah, I need something a little less, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and I get that. I get that. Well, he's old too. Yeah, he's kind of old. He's old and he's a broken man. <laughs> Physically, in more ways than one. Temporarily. Well, I don't know. Well, we never found out because they didn't make Rear Window 2. Well, you've seen the, the ending. He's got two casts on his leg after falling out that window. Still better than being completely paralyzed. It's true. Well, no, it's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> and hey, what do you know? We got another uh, Jimmy Stewart one. Can't get Man enough. Too much. How much did he know? How much did he know, Colin? Wow. <laughs> this is another one that has a complicated plot. I believe he's... I have no idea. He's on vacation in some... Middle Eastern country that I Just cannot like remember. Morocco or that sounds right. That he meets this guy that gets murdered, and as he's dying, he whispers some like secret to Jimmy steps. Stewart. Yeah, he whispers the thirty-nine steps to him. <laughs> one, two, three, four, and four. And uh, so that sets in motion him trying to stop this assassination plot of like a prime minister of some country. Um, this one's a lot like North by Northwest in a way, just because it is kind of has, has this sort of globe trotting espionage thriller aspect with a with a guy who's not really prepared for this situation, kind of just thrust into this murder plot. And for that reason, I don't know if it's an essential Hitchcock movie, but I really like this one just because I love the ending of this movie, which takes place at Albert Hall, and they have the London Philharmonic Orchestra being actually conducted by Bernard Herrmann, the the great composer who worked with Hitchcock on a lot of films. And basically this uh, uh, ambassador guy is going to be assassinated when the cymbal player in the orchestra crashes the cymbals on like the last note. So you see this whole song take place and you're just waiting 
waiting for the the symbol crash to come, and I just feel like it's so damn suspenseful. Is this yeah, the Looney Tunes strange. reference you were gonna make? Like like when they play the piano and it blows up when you hit the right key? Oh shit, no. <laughs> My Looney Tunes reference was gonna be the rear window because I feel like that was the first time I was introduced to that movie. And then uh, I think there was that Simpsons episode, the parody's rear window. So for a long time, I was just like, what the hell is this movie with this guy in a wheelchair looking out at people that they're referencing in cartoons? And it took me forever until it was like, oh, yeah, rear window. I love it when they incorporated the Simpsons and Bart looks at his telescope and sees Jimmy Stewart looking back at him. He goes, there's a sinister looking kid staring at me through the window. Yeah. Was the Looney Tunes one like egg, the eggplant people one? I, was it, I don't was it Daffy? Like I, Elmer Fudd has eggplant people? Maybe. It's, I, I was like <laughs> six years old. I just it's like Looney Tunes is getting sort of trippy. Yeah. Or trip balls. Or not, not Looney Tunes, uh, Tiny Tunes. Oh, was it Tiny Tunes? That would make more sense tunes. if it was eggplant people. <laughs> so this was the second man who knew too much uh that Hitchcock made. Uh what what's the deal with that? Is it the same script? I don't think so. I'm sure it's different. Um the first one stars Peter Laurie. I've always wanted to see that one cuz I think it's supposed to be pretty good. It's just Hitchcock always preferred this one because he felt like I think he felt like the first time he couldn't he didn't quite get the story right like he felt like that one was the work of an amateur and this was a professional tackling the story I believe yeah he got John Michael Hayes to write the newer one who also wrote Rear Window and a couple other Hitchcock movies like uh, Mm -hmm. Trouble with Harry and things like that Man Who Knew Too Much, yeah, I, uh, I remember when I saw it and the ending was cool, but I have no idea what it was about. The, really, the only things I remember are the ending, uh, the, the singing K Sarah Sarah was a song featured heavily in this movie, mm-hmm. and then like how I, I learned that you have to eat with like your right hand in like Middle Eastern countries, mm-hmm. because your left hand is for cleaning the shit. <laughs> out of your butt, not, not out of just anywhere. <laughs> for wiping good save <laughs> I don't think this has any relation to the man who knew too little which is a very bad film but the guy who directed that also directed The Core so, you're just digging look, yourself a deeper hole here John. <laughs> just, so if you want to check out our discussion of The Core go to iTunes probably please I think you'll enjoy it but yeah, man, you knew too much. I don't know. It's 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 all right. I always kind of considered it second tier. Oh, like first tier. <laughs> first tier is like Vertigo and like Ruinda. Second tier is like this and Trouble with Harry. And then third tier is like Marnie and Topaz. Basically, and basically all those really old movies that no one's seen. Hitchcock has made that many movies that I think you can go a third tier. Yeah, I'm not even going to think about fourth tier. I don't think he ever made a really bad movie. Not at least. I mean, he's made some boring movies, but I don't think he's ever made a bad movie. At least not that one that I've seen. Give him another shot. 
Yeah, and I have the box set, which we've mentioned here and there, the sweet universal box set. And I've got the lame other box set. I can't even remember what studio it is. MGM? I think it's, it's Warner Brothers, even, isn't it? It's not, yeah, apparently not worth remembering. But yeah, Warner, I think it was, is Warner Brothers. It's got the Northwest, Northwest. So that could be MGM or... No, it's got to be MGM. Yeah, but the rest is it's mostly... I think Strangers on a Train is also on there too, wasn't it? Yeah. But the rest is pretty second tier. Pretty second tier. Yeah. But our next movie is definitely not second tier. It's Vertigo. Yeah. Top tier. <laughs> Top tier. I mean, this is the movie that was just rated the number one film of all time in the sight and sound poll, which was done by a bunch of critics and filmmakers. So I don't even know what to say what it, say about it at this point. I guess it seems a little weird to me that it would be, you know, declared the number one film of all time when it kind of is an imperfect movie. I feel like the whole murder plot that's at the center of the film isn't really that compelling. Like, you kind of see it coming. It's really all the other stuff that's surrounding it. You know, the whole romance between Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak where he's trying to basically make her into this perfect woman, which really doesn't exist. I mean, I think that says a lot about sort of just movies in general, about the way that so many romances in movies are just these idealized things that don't really exist. And then there's so much, like, just symbolism in in the, the visual aspects of the movie. I love the use of color. I mean, that first scene where where Jimmy Stewart sees Kim Novak and she's wearing this super just... <laughs> deep green dress and the whole restaurant is this deep red it's like just from the colors you can tell that there's something really emotional going on in in jimmy stewart's head just from seeing her that first time in that dress and uh yeah (laughs) a lot of great stuff in this movie all the visuals yeah they're amazing they do that what's that one effect where you zoom in and kind of zoom out at the same time What's that called? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's just called like the vertigo effect. It's the vertigo effect, basically. To create this disorienting feel for his, because he does have vertigo that is worked into the story. I was was a little disappointed first time I saw it that it's not like all about that. You know, it's more Mm -hmm. about other things. Um, But, I mean, that's definitely a sweet aspect. I love, you got to love the, with the head and like the swirling zone when does that happen? I don't even remember that happens in the movie. It happens all the time. It's a little bit past the halfway point. I think it's after Kim Novak's kind of fake identity. You know, she fakes her death that first time. It's I think it's when he's sort of putting it all together and she's just sort of haunting him in his dreams, basically. And that's yeah, one of the most vivid dream sequences I've ever seen in a movie. Totally awesome. Yeah, if you don't know what I'm talking about by head swirling around, <laughs> Google like Vertigo Jimmy Stewart, and you get this picture of his head that looks like he's in the Phantom Zone or something, or <laughs> as his spidey sense is going off. It's just so awesome. Even like the uh, like the opening visual, the Saul Bass type stuff. Guys, it's just crazy like how many different things there is to talk about, like. I don't even dare go into the themes. 
because I don't want to sound like an idiot. <laughs> Which is why I'm talking about Jimmy Stewart's head swirling in the Phantom Zone. I say. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, again, we talked about the score on our top favorite score movies. Just mm-hmm. such a haunting <laughs> piece of music. Probably my favorite score of all time. It just kind of sums up everything Hitchcock is about. Mm-hmm. Basically. All the themes that he likes to tackle are in there, basically. And it's a visionary film from a technical standpoint, visionary standpoint, storytelling standpoint. Maybe, I don't know if it's Jimmy Stewart's best performance, maybe even. He's pretty good. I'd say, yeah, definitely. Definitely up there is one of his best. This is shit. Shit <laughs> <get> that, too. <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I just wish I had something more insightful to say. <laughs> I just enjoy, I just enjoy it on like the most basic level. Did you uh, watch it again, Carnal? Uh, like a year ago, yeah. Because the first okay. time I saw it, I don't think I liked it as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate it definitely. All right. Why do you think? Uh, if I could just ask one question, why do you think people seem to like it more and more as time goes on? Uh, like, like you mentioned the sight and sound poll, where you know it, it's like gone up the rankings like every time until now it's being on top, dethroning uh, Susan Cain after like since as long as the poll's been taken. <laughs> you know, I I don't know. It might be just because. I mean, I know from my experiences, it is a film you can watch, you know, many times and find a lot of different things that are there. Uh, I mean, it's, I think it's a director's movie of the highest order just because Hitchcock's doing so many things visually. I don't know. I don't think it's better than Citizen Kane, but yeah. Well, I and think what also, you're saying, yeah. Well, also, it is a film that was kind of ignored for a long time. I, I think it wasn't until the 90s when they came out with this uh, new remastered print of it where they started showing it in theaters, and then the film became more widely available. I think for a lot of the 70s and 80s, it was just a hard film to see. And I think that's also part of the reason it's it's grown in stature over the years. I guess I- you could probably say the same thing about just Hitchcock in general. Right, as he's kind of gone from, people kind of laughed him off as just uh, you know like the Brett Ratner of his time. To yeah. oh, people really appreciate him now for being an artist. John has just sent me a picture of Cary Grant <laughs> running at the camera. It says and Cary Grant is it. So I believe you are indicating you'd like to talk about North by Northwest. <laughs> We all watched this together. Or at least that was the first time I saw it. Yeah, me too. I was definitely funnier than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Cary Grant is... Well, he's pretty much the most charming person there ever was. Okay, can, can anyone remember the story here? I yeah, can. of course. I've seen this Go a bunch ahead. of times. Yeah, I've only seen it that once. He is an ad executive. Thornhill is the name. And... uh 
he goes to this fancy club, and uh, these goons are there, <laughs> as <laughs> as is the way of things, and uh, uh, they they think he is uh, just just because he he gets up at the wrong time or something, and they they become convinced that he's this guy Kaplan. And uh, so they kidnap him, and they take him to this fancy mansion. And they're like, we know you've got, I don't know, the plans or something, Kaplan. And he's just like, I'm not Kaplan. And so they get him drunk and <laughs> drive him in a car and then put him behind the wheel, so hoping that he'll just crash and die and it'll be uh, a drunk driving accident. But... uh no, 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 they don't put him behind. I the feel wall. like he, yeah, I feel like he He's, pushes someone he out pushes of the them out car, and he, and he takes and he escapes, and he has to drive away drunk. And is really isn't that just a hilarious set piece where it's like he's trying to get his getaway, but they forced him to be drunk. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, driving the car. So that is so, like the funniest thing ever. It's it's yeah, it's really great. So Cary Grant has escaped. Uh, he gets arrested, but he you know he lives, and and uh, from there it's him trying to prove that he wasn't just drunk driving. That, that there's this whole setup going on, and uh, there are people out there trying to kill him, but no one believes him. He goes on quite an adventure uh, that ends rather dramatically uh, atop Mount Rushmore with spies and shit. And don't forget the iconic crop duster sequence. Where- yeah. Running in the field, and the plane comes down. We all know the image. The plane comes down and starts shooting at him, and he's running. Classic, classic imagery. And yeah, another awesome set piece. Mount Rushmore, out of all places to have like a shootout. <laughs> Badass. I can only think of one other movie that's ended at Mount Rushmore, and that was Richie Rich. And <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't actually Mount Rushmore. Oh, oh, you was know it what? something else? It was, it was his, his it was his family like carved. Oh, it was like Richie 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 Rushmore. <laughs> sure. Had a McDonald's inside. Probably. I forgot another uh had like great all their gold inside. It is uh after after he's bailed out of jail for drunk driving uh by his mother, who <laughs> is played by an actress who I believe is actually younger than Cary Grant. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's all just a lot of fun it's really funny uh, he ends up going to uh, the assembly building of the United Nations where it is not legal to film but apparently Hitchcock just like drove up in a van and had <laughs> Cary Grant walk up to it and just shot it and drove off <laughs> oh, I didn't even know that what a badass well he probably had his wife do it because Alfred Hitchcock couldn't drive Hmm. Little fun fact for you. He's also afraid of police and eggs. <laughs> On this also the movie where, uh, well, at, at the UN, uh, that's when the, that's where the shit really starts because he like walks up to this diplomat and he has a knife thrown in his back, <laughs> and uh, like Cary Grant like grabs it out of his back, so it, it looks really like he just stabbed the guy in the back. <laughs> but no, it's actually just some goon. Uh. Oh, man, I'm finding out they didn't actually go to Mount Rushmore. It was a replica. Hmm. If, if, he's, if he's willing to go to the United Nations, he should have been willing to go to Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah, but that was just one shot versus a fight. Yeah. Uh, there's lots, lots of great stuff. 
his cameo is like right at the beginning of the movie because at this point everyone's just looking for uh, Hitchcock to show up and he thought it was distracting and ruining his movies. He's trying to get on a bus. Yeah, that's it. He's trying to get on a bus. Denied. Uh, yeah, it's funny. In the, in the, it seemed like in the, in the 50s it's when he had to start turning around. Because I, I was watching Strange on a Train he was near the beginning. He's getting on a train with a bass. Well, that's an interesting one because Strangers on a Train is so much about, you know, pairs and mm-hmm. doubles, as he called it, and he's holding a double bass. Yeah. We should have done top ten Hitchcock appearances. So we'd have to watch all of them. Uh-huh. But we, we, you can turn it off once you found him. Speaking of Strangers on a Train having a, you know, that had the funny final shot. Uh, this movie also has a pretty funny final shot uh, of a train entering a tunnel. It's pretty sexually suggestive. No, not terribly subtle. Yeah, that's pretty funny though. Uh, I this uh, this is my favorite Hitchcock movie. Just uh, you know, I just really like action comedies. Yeah, it's I mean, great, it's, great it still holds fun. up as a really really fun, entertaining movie. I feel like this is a a good one as sort of a gateway to Hitchcock. That's why I recommended Nancy to watch this one. I'm guessing you didn't. It's too busy. No. Watching James James Bond. Bond. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I recommended this one too, because it's a movie that does kind of lay down a lot of the foundations for the the James Bonds and the other spy movies of the 60s, really. It's basically James Bond if he wasn't trying to be James Bond. He's just in James Bond situations. He was kind of lame and hung out with his mom a lot. <laughs> it's really fun, and and the, yeah. that's not to say the mystery is bad. I think it's it's compelling. I mean, shit goes down. You're like, how are they doing this? Poor guy. How's he gonna get out of this? Yeah. <laughs> and they find a way, and then he gets to have sex on a train. That's what we're all looking for, right? Sex on a train. <laughs> oh yeah, getting so hot and good for the environment. Maybe. Trains are good for the environment. They got like (laughs) trains, right? When I think of trains, I think of like huge pillars of smoke. I'm pretty sure that they've they've made a lot of eco-friendly trains. Yeah, but I'm sure it wasn't like back then. Yeah, I guess back then. Back then, they didn't give a shit about the environment. (laughs) 1950s? Blow it up, right? It's all that cigarettes and sandwiches. Yeah. Steve Martin had to fix that shit. Thank you'll have God. to see the American Godzilla to understand that otherwise you're probably a little confused speaking of being confused how about being crazy like a psychopath <laughs> like movie Psycho this we're talking was... about this yes we did Skip, Skip? <laughs> you got something fresh John I don't know you really think we should just skip I we can't just skip catch on it. No, this was. I I want. I'm trying to look. I'm trying to avoid any word that's not cutting edge. You know, a couple of words because it just seems like so lame. So oh, cutting edge, step. Well, no, this was cutting edge, edge in so many different ways, and it's based off Robert Bloch's book, which was inspired by Ed Gein, famous murderer who like killed people and wore wore their skin and stuff and put dead bodies around the house. Real party. Sort of like that. 
Norman Bates. <laughs> Spoiler alert. He, well, he's not really, I mean, he's a killer, but it's because of his mother. There you go. So I was just like, oh, yeah. That's a way that puts it in a way that doesn't He doesn't slow, believe anyway. himself as a killer. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, we did already touch on it. What else? What do we want to say? Um, we we talked about how cool it is to kill your lead actress, right? Yeah, that's pretty cool. I guess just the thing about that is, I don't know. Whenever I watch Psycho for us for subsequent viewings, it's not as I don't know engaging for me as some of his other movies just because you watch that whole Marion Crane sequence and you know this is kind of just leading towards nothing. I mean, as far as her character. And that ruins it for you? It doesn't ruin it. It just, okay, it kind of hinders it a little bit. But I mean, watching it that first time, yeah, it's 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 one of the shocking sort of great shocking moments in any movie is seeing her get killed. Even if you know it's coming, it's just a a really cool thing to behold. I feel like the shower scene is definitely like the movie clip that I see in so many film classes like over yeah. and over again. Just as an uh, example of like the greatest edited scene of all time. <laughs> and how it it gives the sense of a, a really violent sequence when you really don't see much. But it's just done so masterfully, and the music is so scary. Bernard Herrmann. Norm Bates is super scary. Even when you first like meet him, and he's like really innocent and stumbling over his words. Still kind of freaks me out. I don't know, though. He's like super likable, though, and super scary. He likes candy. He's so childlike. And sandwiches. And taxidermy. And taxidermy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember a line, but it's it's, it's escaping me. Something about birds. It's like a falsity. About how they eat. Never mind. Anyways. He does use birds a lot in... Even his earlier movies, just as kind of a sign of danger. Yeah. But they don't get much more dangerous than in The Birds. The Birds are weird. Uh, what? This is the first Hitchcock movie I ever saw. No, you know? It probably is for me, too. Because as a kid, this is one of those things you want to see. Oh, yeah, birds killing people? I'm a bird, bird. Yeah. you say? <laughs> it, it, I feel like it's one of the first, at least the first I can think of, like people versus like nature gone wrong type movies, which is for the most part a really bad subgenre if I think about it. Like movies with killer animals. I've seen more of those than I should have. Like Night of the Lepus, which is rabbits. But the birds, what I love about the birds is all these birds just show up and it's unexplained. That's all I love. You know, if this was like a sci-fi, this could have been a sci-fi movie. There could have been some scientist in there. (laughs) The birds are pretty upset because of this weather pattern 
You know, it's like they could have done come up with something really stupid, but they didn't. They just went for okay. There's birds tagging, and it's hella scary, and it's violent too. There's like people with their mm-hmm. eyes pecked out. Like that's disgusting. This is 1963, and there's people with their eyes pecked out. Yeah, it's pretty bloody too. Yeah. It's really like just it, it's weird how this and Psycho were kind of more a transition to just straight on horror. Like he just kind of wanted to be ahead of the curve and trying to. I don't know, pu- push the boundaries of what was, like, acceptable in movies and basically just went full horror. And I, 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 and it's simple, too. I think that's why it's probably one that it tends to be one of the ones you see when you're younger, despite the fact that it's violent. Yeah. I, don't know I mean, that, that was kind of... That was kind of a problem I had with it the first time I watched it is... I guess to me it didn't seem as thematically rich as something like, you know, Vertigo or, or Psycho even. But watching it again, that's that's kind of what I like about it is the whole ambiguity thing of it. it. just makes it really sort of unsettling. I mean, I love that final shot of the film. I don't really want to spoil it for anyone, but it's one of those shots that is like, almost apocalyptic in a way and it just I don't know it's always stuck with me <laughs> I love the scene when they're walking what is in the house and there's just birds everywhere and they just gotta be really quiet and really yeah. slow Tim Hedder and Rod Taylor super handsome he became super ugly though when he got old I like I like when they first get in the house and they like board it up and like there's just the swarm of birds and it's like all Rod Taylor. He has to he has to do everything. Everyone else in the house just screams and shit. He's like, oh, all right, I'll go fix the door. Oh, all right, I'll go close the window. He's like getting ripped apart. And everyone else just walks. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. And thank God. Remember there's that remake a while back that was, it sounded like it was totally going to happen and then it fell apart. With Naomi Watts. Martin Campbell was directing Thank God that didn't happen. I don't think this has ever had an official sequel. Oh, wait, now there was a movie called The Birds 2 Land's End. But it was directed by Alan Smithy, so... <laughs> Someone was ashamed of what they did. It was directed by Rick Rosenthal. Uh, Interesting. Who is Rick Rosenthal? Yeah, this is... Uh, he directed Halloween 2, apparently. But no, this is this is a movie that uh, I just enjoy for sheer entertainment value. Bird attack? Do you disagree? <laughs> no, like, cat like dug into me like straight up like in my flesh. I had to pull it out. What were you doing you. that incited either no, Fraser or Niles? It just uh, jumped on me like it's trying to get some love. I guess you could say Birdemic is like a spiritual sequel. <laughs> <laughs> the independent horror movie Birdemic, which is basically, now it's about like the eagles and hawks, the birds of prey are going at, which kind of defeats like why the original is scary is the fact that they were just everyday birds. But I do recommend Birdemic because it is just so, so great. It's one of the greatest the comics you'll ever see. One of the best original theme songs you'll ever hear. 
<laughs> I think it, it's still on Netflix. For anyone out there who has Netflix, check it out. You will not be disappointed. It is a movie that is composed of a series of flaws and mistakes. <laughs> Nonstop. Oh, my God. Great. Uh, not as great as The Birds, though. Didn't quite reach that level. It got close. Got close. How do you think it compares to Frenzy? I liked Frenzy. I guess it's probably on the lower end of the spectrum spectrum for most most people when it comes to Hitchcock. Uh, but I, I was always impressed by how gritty it is and then how British it is because I feel like for a long period of time, for so many of his uh, his so a lot uh, a big chunk of his career, Hitchcock's movies like always felt really American to me. So it was really nice to see him just go back to England and do one that's gritty. It was about a guy who killed people with a necktie. Uh, there's all these really gross close-ups. Like I, I seem to recall these shots of people like cutting into like a, a chicken or something. Not like a live chicken, like like a roast chicken. But they, they make it look totally unappealing. Like England looks like the most disgusting place in the world in this movie, <laughs> probably because it is. Yeah. It's just portrayed in such an unglamorous way. And I think that maybe that's in part because I remember hearing that Hitchcock in the late 60s wanted to make a movie called Kaleidoscope, a script he wrote himself about a necrophiliac murderer in New York. But studios are like, this is absolutely disgusting. <laughs> uh, we're not going to do this. So he kind of, it kind of evolved and became frenzy. Uh, which was written, I did not know until right now, by Anthony Schaefer, who also did Wicker Man and Sleuth. And he's just a fantastic British writer. So I guess yeah, he just really captured this. And one of my favorite scenes is I remember someone was trying to... Uh, oh, God. They're trying to break a woman's, a dead woman's fingers to, to take like a pin from her hands, but she's got rigor mortis. So they're just like breaking the fingers to try to get this pin out of her hand. It's pretty disgusting. Uh, and this was like his second to last movie, I think, right? He only made one more. Yeah. Family Plot, which I actually also like. That one's a little more quirky, though. This one's definitely darker, but it does have like a weird sense of humor. Like, I could totally imagine like John Cleese showing up in this or something. It has this <laughs> oddball British um, feel to it. Uh, I also remember it had a very, you know, Hitchcock always went all out with his hilarious trailers for his movies. He'd always appear in them. This one, he's like, float, he's like on the river Thames. Is it Thames? Or, is that how it's pronounced? Thames. Thames? Thames. He's like, I'm floating on the river. I want you to see my new river finishing. It's about a man for next time. It kills people. Enjoy it. And it was pretty funny, but then... Is he in a bathing suit or in a, like, regular suit? He's in a suit. (laughs) Oh. I see, like, a 70-year-old Alfred Hitchcock in a bathing suit. (laughs) Well, I imagine he would have, like, one of those full-body bathing suits. Well, of course, but still... He's old enough. (laughs) It's just funny that, like, yeah, he had to be, like, in his, like, 70s or something by this point, yet he was still making these like super violent and like edgy films you know mm-hmm. like frenzy's pretty edgy like i would no, be, you it know, is it's it's really violent and still like a little disturbing it was yeah interesting to see hitchcock kind of 
you know, untamed <laughs> doing a movie without the restrictions of the, the Hayes code, you know, making a rated R guys. thriller. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, Mike Kane was Hitchcock's first choice for the role of the main antagonist. But Kane thought the character was disgusting and said, I don't want to be associated with Pa. Oh, fantastic part will be marvelous. That's how it went down. Alfred Hitchcock's basically just a drunk person. <laughs> <laughs> drunk fat person. But yeah. Uh I guess that ends our list. And now it er you know, going down the list. Now it goes down to making the top ten. Choppity chop chop. Choppity chip chop. The only one that I clearly knew we did one on the list was Notorious. Notorious. Uh, but it seemed That's like we were fine. pretty lukewarm with a few of the earlier ones. Just Specifically seen the ones that Colin had only seen. Yeah, I mean, there's the ones that... Well, Frenzy, probably. You could probably cut Frenzy, definitely. It's, uh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if you like, like it, I mean, I like it. I just... I, I well, like it, too. I could cut the man who knew like too belongs, much. You know? Yeah. The man who knew too much, I could cut. Um, I could cut either Sabotage or The Lady Vanishes. I don't really have a preference over either of those. But if you had to have a preference, should say, I? if there was only one of the two... Oh. <laughs> uh, I guess the lady vanishes. Ready, well then. No, I meant to keep that one. Oh. Yeah. Sorry about that. Well, sabotage then. Yeah. Bon voyage, le sabotage. Yay! So we got ten. What's your number 10, then, Uncle Ben? Well, I know the bird's going to be a little lower just because it's not as rich thematically, probably. So I'd probably say it a little lower. Would you say it's the lowest? Uh, well, I haven't seen Lady Vanishes, so I don't know. Um, I feel I like mean, you should I've... just put that at 10 since I'm the only person who's seen it. Yeah. Very well, then, Milady. I'm not super passionate about it. I do like it. I mean, I like all of these. <laughs> uh, Shadow of a Doubt remains on here, despite me having never seen it. That's probably a little no more for me. I like 39 Steps better than... Do I? I th- yeah, I do. I think I actually do like 39 Steps better than Shadow of a Doubt. Personally. Um... If I had picked those, uh, I know Sean yeah. has seen those. I mean, I could live with that. And I don't know if you want to put the birds between those or on top of it. Um, so I'm putting Shadow of a Doubt at nine. I think yeah, that's wise. Sure. And then the birds or Thirty Nine Steps for eight. Come back. <laughs> 
Is that Nancy driving off yep, to go do something less boring? <laughs> go drive drunk. He's been inspired yeah. to do that. I, well, I've always wanted to. You guys just gave me the courage. Yeah, liquid courage. <laughs> okay. Uh, I like 39 Steps more than the birds, but that's maybe just because I associate the birds with like being a little kid. Uh, <laughs> okay. And you guys seen it more recently? And no, I mean it's pretty good. I was just I thinking have. it's yeah. probably going to be lower, uh, somewhere lower, just because the story I don't think is quite as rich as some of these other ones. Though it is super entertaining. Mm-hmm. Birds make those weird noises. Yeah, it's very scary noises. Super scary. There is a couple effects in there that don't hold up, though. But I mean, a lot of it does hold up. Mm-hmm. There's that scene got, where there's all those birds on the jungle gym outside yeah, the schoolhouse. How they get all those crows beyond the gym? How did I do that? <laughs> so creepy. That's that's pretty amazing. That must have been a good a good time for bird trainers. <laughs> they called in the best. It was the best of times. It was the bird of times. That's how bird traders talk. They just insert bird into their sentences <laughs> where they shouldn't be. <laughs> They're like Smurfs. <laughs> Some fucking weird people. Talk it to me, baby. <laughs> bird up. Bird up. What's the good bird? You certainly have an eagle eye, my friend, and you're so good with birds. That's words. Where are you crowing today? <laughs> Did you guys see like the new Hitchcock it's, it's, movie? I heard everyone raving about it. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that one. Went too far. Did we just create a 60s Batman villain? What's <laughs> it called? Just the bird man? Like that. Or in uh, late 90s Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right. Yes. Let's just put the birds at number eight. I can do that. You can? Yeah, okay. Done. I think your raving about Hitchcock was pretty good, Sean. Mm. I wasn't booing that in particular. I was just booing... Uh, the entire, situation. the entire situation. That was a good. That was a good shtick. You made people feel bad. How about thirty nine steps next? Yeah, huh? I go. I go thirty nine steps. All right. Number seven. Three or nine. I think next it's got to be either rope or strangers on a train. I like strangers on a train. I mean, I did just see it today. But I think it, it helps that there's like more that happens. Mm-hmm. I think that just more set pieces. It, it it's just a wider story, so it explores more. I yeah, I, I like it more too. I like the idea of our two Farley Granger ones being next to each other. Uh-huh. Cool. He's good. I like him. He's so innocent. Such good tennis. 
Yeah. I mean, he does. He does look like he's playing tennis in those scenes. I just think Rope's more interesting. I mean, Strangers on a Train. It's there's nothing intellectual about it. I mean, maybe that plan does make sense, at least in the fifties, when you know the only evidence they have is like motive, because they don't they don't give a shit. They just walk. I don't know. I I feel like Rope. If it wasn't for the technique, the way it was shot, people really wouldn't talk about it. While on Strange Strange on a Train, I feel like it's such a great concept. The whole idea of a crisscross, like I've never heard of anything like that aside from that movie. I thought that was super original. Isn't that, that amazing what the plot to uh, Horrible Bosses is? Yeah. yeah. They kind of I just rip it off. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, think, I, just, I just think it's such an inventive concept. And I really love the guy who plays Bruno. He's fantastic. Yeah, he is. I just made a Snoopy shape out of my headphone wire. Cool. So rope at number six, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And then strangers at number five, huh? Well, now what do we do? Uh. What's your favorite, Colin? Is it Rear Window or Vertigo? I think I would say Vertigo. Rear Window is probably number two. Uh, and since I know John's favorite is Psycho, and your favorite is North by Northwest, I guess it would make sense to put Rear Window at number four, since it's none of our favorites, even though we seem to like it a lot. Yeah, it's probably my number two as well. So, I mean, it's my number four at this point, but how about we do that? Okay, <laughs> though, this is really tricky because these are all you know, some of the greatest American films ever made, really. I'm willing to put Psycho low, I like, I'm willing to settle because it was on our top 10 horror movies list, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like number two, it got and you know, and it got talked about. Way more in depth that time. I think Colin made a valid point about Psycho being less rewatchable. Uh, I, I don't mean, know that I agree that that. Like, how is it not rewatchable? Not not. I don't mean to say it's unrewatchable. You just I just me? mean com- compared to uh, you know Vertigo, which is much more dense than, than Psycho or North by Northwest, which to me is just really fun and easy to watch over and over. Uh, you know, Colin was saying with Psycho, you, you lose your investment in, in the first third of the movie because you know exactly what's going to happen. And I don't feel like the, the, you know, the second half lives up to the first half either, to be honest. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I didn't get any of that. <laughs> His whole argument just cut out. And now John is disconnected from Skype. 
Okay. Um, okay. It's too late now. We're, we're, we're almost done. <laughs> I'm going to put Psycho at number three and hope <laughs> comes back. Just on my end, it was uh, you going, well, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, wait, wait, wait. It was, it was, well, nothing. Huge pause, which is because nothing. <laughs> I heard everything in between. Well, yeah, Sean made a pretty valid argument, I think. I'm but just going to have to take your it's just because he's reinforcing what I said. But I think he would have convinced you had you heard him. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I don't know. I came down kind of hard on Psycho. It's really good. It is really good, but... The... I, I feel... Think... Wait, is North Marthwist going to be two? I feel like... I feel like that's weird. Like, I'd switch... I'd put Psycho down lower if we could have Rear Window higher than North by Northwest. I don't want to do that because it's my favorite, but I, I could, I could, I, could I just feel like North by Northwest is nowhere near as cutting edge as those other three. Yeah, like, I, I agree. feel like it's nowhere near like the kind of trailblazers those other films. I agree. It's just really entertaining. I, yeah, it's just really entertaining and I really yeah, like. Yeah, so it. let's just like move it all around. So we can put sight. I'm willing to settle for Psycho at, I guess, four, and then we could put North by Northwest at three. And then you know, take it from there. Wait, what are we doing? So well, I don't want putting... Northwest to be two, so I think it should be three. Uh, yeah. That's fine. I mean, it just makes more sense to me. Okay, <laughs> uh, I would have been okay with it anywhere in the top four, but no, this this is that what we're doing. Yeah, that looks we're good. Doing rear window at two and vertigo at number one. Yeah. All right, I like that. Colin Way. Yeah, it is basically... <laughs> the top five is basically my order of favorite Hitchcock movies. So that's good for me, I guess. Shall we read off the list? Uh, Hitchcock voice. Oh, fuck you. Yours is pretty good, Sean. Well, it's not going to be good now. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Fuck. I believe in you. <laughs> Damn it. Our top Alfred Hitchcock movies. Sucks. Number 10, The Lady Vanishes. Number 9, Shadow of a Doubt. Number 8, The Birds. Number seven, the 39 steps. Number six, rope. Number five, strangers on a train. Number four, psycho. Number three, north by northwest. Number two, real window. And number one, vertigo. I don't know what that became as it went on, but it was bad. Sounds like drunk Boris Karloff, which is pretty cool. After he'd run like a mile, he's kind of out of breath. <laughs> had a hard time and um, I always like to take the ending to remind you uh, we've got a website at mildpleas.com we've got uh, the iTunes still hasn't been reviewed just getting kind of sad at this point but uh, maybe just leave it that way let's see how long we can, we can ride this thing out I would guess forever um, 
Got a lot of good shows to look forward to. No breaks until Christmas time. So uh, I would suggest just uh, keep your thing subscribed and uh, come back next Thursday for another episode of uh, Top 10 Thursdays. <laughs>